0: Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. I'm Dr. Steve Nissen. I'm the Chief Academic Officer of the Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at the Cleveland Clinic, and I'm here with Dr. Laffin, Dr. Luke Laffin, who will introduce himself. Thanks, Dr. Nissen.
1: Um, So I am co-director of the Center for Blood Pressure Disorders at the Cleveland Clinic and medical director of cardiac rehabilitation. I'm a cardiologist within the section of preventive cardiology uh, and rehabilitation, uh, and it's great to speak with you
0: today. Thank you. We're going to talk about a controversial topic. Uh, That's N3 polyunsaturated fatty acids, otherwise known of as omega-3 or fish oil. What do we know Uh, about uh, fish oil from the studies that were done over a long period of time using low doses of these products?
1: Well, we know that they don't really reduce, well, they don't reduce cardiovascular disease in low doses, okay? Um, Obviously there was some epidemiological evidence early on that suggested populations that consumed high levels of omega-3 fatty acids. Um, had lower cardiovascular risk, lower risk of cardiovascular events. That has been worn out in much larger studies um, of essentially what are over-the-counter doses of fish oil at this point.
0: Yeah, this all starts with uh, the observation that populations eat a lot of fish, particularly certain fish like salmon that contain a lot of uh, omega-3 fatty acids, that they had lower incidence of heart disease. But, you know, as we've learned over the years, that sort of epidemiological evidence doesn't always translate into clinical benefit. And as Dr. Laffin was mentioning, there were a whole series of studies using about a gram of omega-3 fatty acids, typically a mixture of the two components, EPA and DHA. And they were big studies, and they were done well by very reputable organizations. And they didn't show benefits. Nonetheless, these things have become very popular with patients, and I'm sure all of you are, have patients who come and they've decided on their own to take fish oil because of the reputed benefits. So that brings us to the modern era, and there were two large studies. Let's talk about them. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the reduce it study. Sure.
1: Yeah. So reduce it. Um, published uh, now a few years ago, looked at a four gram dose of uh, icosapent ethyl, which is pure EPA, um, and the top line data and when it was reduced was, was uh, published showed there a twenty five percent risk reduction in terms of cardiovascular events. So uh, and obviously statistically significant. So this. Uh, made a lot of news in the media, a lot of news amongst uh, physician groups as well, um, a lot of, uh, I guess, momentum um, behind it. Um, but there were some controversies yeah, associated was.
0: with it. There was. Um,
1: and the biggest controversy that we can see is the use of a mineral oil placebo, um,
0: which is not such an inert substance, which obviously a placebo should be. Yeah. Yeah. There were hints that that mineral oil was not a suitable placebo, going back a decade from the early studies that led to the approval of this product, a ethyl, that showed LDL going up, you know a fair amount, you know 10, 11 percent. And then a little bit later, in the reducid study, we saw that C reactive protein went up more than 30 percent. I was very critical of the use of mineral oil as a placebo because I felt that we we couldn't be sure that acosapendethyl provided benefits if the placebo was a a control agent that had adverse effects. Then within the last several months, a manuscript was published in circulation by Paul Ridger. I encourage you to read it. Um, I have to say that it was extraordinary. Uh, Dr. Ritker measured uh, samples taken from the Reducid trial in patients that, that got placebo and acosapenethyl, and he showed that a wide range of lipid and inflammatory markers went way up in the mineral oil group. This suggests that the uh, purported benefits of icosapenethyl may actually simply reflect the toxicity of the placebo agent. Now, there was a second trial of the high of high dose fish oil. That was the STRENGTH trial, and maybe, Luke, you could talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, sure, so the the STRENGTH trial, um, the investigational product was a little bit different. It was a combination of EPA and DHA, um, so that is the difference, but the the big difference was also in the placebo group. Rather than a mineral oil placebo, STRENGTH used corn oil placebo, which does not have those same negative lipid parameter effects, nor does it have the same inflammatory effects as well. And and that study, uh, which was uh, predominantly run here at the Cleveland Clinic, um, actually was uh, was terminated for futility uh, because there was no difference between the prescription product of EPA DHA, which was at four grams a day as well,
0: um, compared to the corn oil placebo. So I was a study chair for the STRENGTH trial, which we did here, as Dr. Laffin points out. We led it from the Cleveland Clinic. It was a big study. You know, it had something like a 1,000 sites around the world. So it was, uh, you know, this is a typical, very large outcome trial. Uh, as the executive committee was planning the trial, we had a very serious discussion about what placebo to use. And we had enough evidence at the time that mineral oil had toxicity that we debated what to use. We thought olive oil would be a positive control, having favorable effects. But we chose corn oil because all the prior studies had shown that cor- corn oil is essentially neutral. It doesn't do much. It's not harmful, not helpful. It's a true placebo. Using a true placebo, we did not see the same benefits that were observed in reduce it. And therein lies the ongoing controversy you know, the question that everyone has to ask themselves is, do we believe reduce it as a single trial makes the case for using high doses of fish oil in patients? Is it really a fish oil derivative? There are some harms and maybe you could talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, the major harm that was, uh, was seen was the incidence of atrial fibrillation, particularly in uh, individuals with a history of atrial fibrillation as well
0: um, is what we saw with the, uh, with the use of these prescription fish oil products. Yeah. Both studies yeah. reduce it and strength. And another study was also done called an Emmy. All the studies showed 30 to 50% increase in atrial fibrillation. So everyone has to make their own minds up. You've got a controversy. You've got one study showing no benefit with corn oil placebo. You've got a second study, now widely promoted, reduce it, that showed big benefits with a mineral oil placebo that has really been questioned by many people. And and we've been among the critics of that study because of the use of mineral oil. I will tell you my own view. Dr. Laffin will, will give you his. Uh, I have not used ethyl. I do not think that the evidence is strong enough to warrant its use. Uh, it does lower triglycerides, which is you know, not necessarily uh, correlated with cardiovascular events, but you'll have to make your own mind up. Dr. Laffin, what, what's your, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I'm similar to you, although I wouldn't say that I, I've never prescribed
1: it and I don't prescribe it because in occasional patients, I will, um, if they're willing to tolerate a little bit increased risk of atrial fibrillation and we, and particularly if they ask about it because it has been out there in the media a lot, we'll have an informed discussion. Um, I, I think that initially I was more optimistic, but as this data comes out, particularly the Ridker study that, that you alluded to, yeah. uh, I've discreet. Uh, decreased my prescribing of it to a significant extent. So it just has to be a discussion really uh, with our patients.
0: One of the things that has been concerning to me is I've had patients come into my clinic uh, who are taking icosapent ethyl that didn't have the criteria that were in the reduced trial. They never had triglycerides. They didn't have a low HDL. They didn't really meet the enrollment criteria of the trial. And I would caution people that if you do choose to use the product, use it in the way that it was used in the trial. Don't use it in an off-label fashion.
1: Exactly, and really what you wanna be doing is maximizing that statin dose as much as possible in these high-risk individuals, maximizing the lifestyle, and then, if you're struggling, then to have that talk and think about it.
0: You know, I think that's really good advice. You know, we didn't, we really have to say this, that here we have a class of drug statins with unbelievable evidence. Benefit. And we also know that lowering blood pressure, you know, has very high benefits. And so my view is when dealing with patients either in primary or secondary prevention, treat the things that we know make a difference. Get blood pressure down to guideline levels, get lipids down in a guideline, evidence-based fashion. And you'll have to think about whether you want to give high triglyceride patients icosapandethyl, I choose not to do so. Dr. Laffin, thank you so much for this really engaging conversation. Great to speak with you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash cardiac consult podcast.